This podcast is brought to you by Mezcala Nursery, located at 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805. Mezcala, family-owned, family-ran since 2007. This place is my happy place, you guys. I'm there all the time. It's a giant piece of property full of greenhouses packed to the brim of everything you can possibly imagine, from your landscaping needs to houseplants to cactus and succulents. They even have a greenhouse solely dedicated to rare and obscure collector specimens. I'm talking, I've seen Monstera albos there. I've seen tide constellations there. Rare collector specimens that I can't even find online, I find them there. If you head over to their Instagram, at Mezcala Nursery, they keep their stories updated daily of these plants that can come and go really quick. You could miss it. Make sure to go check it out. Not only that, they treat you like family. I bring my kids with me, you guys, and I always have an amazing experience. Such great customer service, so helpful, so knowledgeable, and prices that can't be beat. Bring them a price from another nursery, they'll beat it. Bring them a price from a big box store, they're going to beat it. 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805, Mezcala Nursery. Tell them I sent you. Welcome back, everybody, to If Plants Could Talk. This is Garrett. I'm your host. This conversation took place on May 25th, 2021, with my guest, Microscope Mystic. Patrick and I have been friends for a number of years now, going back to high school. It's funny, I actually told a story on Instagram today about how he let me copy his history final so that I could get an A-plus on the final and just barely passed my class with a D minus because that's the kind of student that I was in high school. Uh, Patrick studied genetics and plant biology at UC Berkeley. He's class of 2012. He's got a bachelor's degree in those sciences and has worked in the field of botany, ethnobotany, uh, all of his adult life. He runs through a handful of different slides discussing the kratom plant or metragenine speciosa, as well as hemp, cannabis, and the trichocereus and lophophora species. And we also discuss the ayahuasca vines and the compounds that go into that brew. I apologize if I don't necessarily know the scientific names. However, those are the topics that we covered, and I'm incredibly grateful that Patrick was willing to come on and have this discussion with me. We went a little longer than I normally do. It's about an hour and 40 minutes, but uh, I hope you enjoy the ride. I highly recommend that you go to my YouTube channel once this is posted and watch this full interview video so that you can see the slides and, and follow everything that he's saying. A lot of it went over my head, but it was an incredible experience and I'm so grateful. I hope you guys enjoy. Here's Patrick. Microscope Mystic, my dear old friend. How are you? Uh, you know, it's just uh, another day in the life. Another day in the life. <laughs> another day in the life. Yeah, it's trying not to complicate things. Yeah, gotta keep it simple. 
Well, I'd like to start by saying that I've always looked up to you and your intellect uh, since, I don't know, maybe it goes back to middle school is when I met you, I think. Would it be? Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Sometime. Maybe. I think I so. don't know. McAuliffer Oka's probably. I probably didn't. Yeah, because we were at Oka's. Okay, so it started in high school then. Unless you rode the bus home one day or something for Seal Beach. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I knew you from SEAL, too, from backpack days, man. Uh, this is my yeah. my my old friend, Patrick. You guys uh, really want to welcome him on. I've been really looking forward to this. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember back in the day I went, I came up and saw you, actually, at, at Berkeley. I came and uh, <laughs> I believe I went to your dorm and... In my fraternity house. Yeah, your fraternity house. That's what it was. And there was this oh. dude. There was this dude there, and he, I had a bag of mushrooms, and I showed it to him, and he goes, "What would you do if I ate all these mushrooms right now?" And I got so Brad mad. Snyder. I was thinking in my head, I'd probably fucking break your nose, but I didn't say anything, I, and he didn't do it. But I, I know exactly who you're probably talking about because I know exactly who would say that, and like, and like. His name is Brian Snyder. <laughs> that's yeah. a common name. So. <laughs> yeah, that's just a fun He's... little side note. Um, and then I think that was the first time I actually felt the effects of LSD or there uh, and appreciated them was later that evening. Yeah, man, and that that's a common uh, interest that we've always shared as well, that of the psychedelics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for me, um, for whatever reason. I mean, yeah, that was a really, really good, I remember. Um, and then there was, like, a football game the next day. Like, it just kind of carried on. And when I, th- when, yeah, when I think about, like, times now in the past, like, that's one of those good ones that kind of carries mm. through into, into, like, the current. And stuff, so. Nostalgia. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Patrick. I'm really glad to have you. Uh, could you do you mind telling us uh, a little bit about your background in education? Yeah, so <clears throat> almost failed out of uh, Berkeley and bought me genetics and plant biology. All my classmates are like uh, either they work for Monsanto and they genetically engineer plants, or they you know, or they you know, do biomedical some genetic engineering stuff so like i was way down the <laughs> you know the, the, the pyramid there of, of intelligence and uh and, and all the other stuff that get into that so i found myself more appreciating the traditional methods and learning about the history of plants and botany and it was <clears throat> not too much anthropology for me mm at the same time mm. i had to do a little bit of anthropology um because uh like for for a real ethnic is that me for oh what that is i wanted to say you shouldn't undersell yourself because you are quite the bright and intelligent man <laughs> if i remember correctly well i mean yeah not to say not to say berkeley is an easy place to but uh but yeah, no, I just I I uh, I was lucky enough to kind of tumble down into the 
the medical ethnobotany was a big course for me. And I took a mycology course with two of the world's like leading the Tom Brown's professor, Tom Brown. So he's like the, like a mushroom, like the, the number, like he, you know, like, but we went on a foray in Mendocino with Stanford and UC Davis and UC Santa Cruz and sat, uh, these different, just these different schools and <clears throat> so many smart people just ex running into the woods and coming back with the fungus of all kinds. And then we like, you know, they lay it out on the whole table. So like the, those mushroom forays are some of the coolest experiences that, yeah, I wish I had been on more of those. And Mendocino is not a bad place to do it in the climate there with the pine trees, thick duff, lots of moisture, hillsides covered in it. So that's, I, you get a taste of it. And <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. I've spent some time up there, man. It's gorgeous up there. I spent some time on a cannabis farm a handful of times. And uh, yeah, I know a lot of people do forage for uh, psilocybin mushrooms in particular, but also edible mushrooms. Yeah. Other, like other Santa Cruz mountains. San, yeah, chanterelles in the Santa Cruz Mountains, as south, far south as uh, that I've seen them. I collected them in, uh, yeah, like Redwood City or Portola Valley, which is basically Redwood City, yeah. Uh, chanterelle mushrooms straight out of the ground there on someone's property. I got invited to this guy's, my, my cousin raises goats. And so, like, through that community, you'll find people that. Awesome. So you studied some mycology so, as well, you said, and you have some experience in that too, growing mushrooms? Um, only uh, my actual experience is only in like a lion's mane or, or an oyster mushroom block that I purchased. Like uh, Mike Tyson mushrooms I bought as lion's mane block. Cool. So, so ate those and they were tasty. Nice. And they were fun. But um, I... <clears throat> I'm not uh, too well versed in a whole lot of culturing specifically. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so what what, what what more about your studies? Uh, you were telling <clears throat> me about you for you foraged with some mushrooms. Some guys up there you studied. Yeah, yeah, like a lot. So a lot of my classmates, we we did that trip, and then we so that was really cool. We got extra credit for going up there, and then we came. We were in the same botany class, plant morphology, of like a few different students in class, and this was like our upper division, like graduating. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, we're, the other the plant morphology is really interesting, where you're describing the, the developmental phases and the growth of the plant, like this, you know, the design of the plant, and the, um, and then so you'll you'll that's kind of the version of anthropology, but in the plant world, like sort of how things. Uh, around the world, like the environmental and uh, evolutionary uh, sort of paths of plants in their mm. individual, and and that's so. So we learned a lot of cool stuff about that. And one cool story is we found some uh, psilocybin, uh, the the wavy caps. Uh, I, can't remember. I don't know why. Was uh, it like cubensis? Nakibensis, and Nakirulensis, sinensis. Um, okay. So let's be sinensis. They were just growing in the grass behind 
the classroom where we were taking our finals wow in, in berkeley and like on the like last day of our finals what? we they they find them and they're like hey you got finals later but hey look what we've done and, like, <laughs> and then i was saying the mushroom professor the expert is the guy they brought him to to identify them and then <laughs> they're like well we might as well ask him he's probably the best person that we can <laughs> in the vicinity to, to do the job like they're like you get a good confirmation on this and he was like, "Oh yeah, those those look pretty good." And he was like, "Something like that." I wasn't there. Those though. were legit. And I'm, <laughs> I was so ex- inexperienced. Yeah, even in me, like, so I'm kind of like, I feel like I feel like yeah, my experience is a little more entry level. But that's yeah, that's just me. So that's okay. <laughs> you you be humble all you want. Uh, yeah, people are. Um, my 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 true like like uh. So to kind of carry from there, like the whole love for ethnobotany and discovering the stuff, growing and identifying it and talking about it and sharing it. Like I love all of the whole aspect of the culture and um, and and the, the community and togetherness of it and the passing along, the inherent just knowledge that is to be appreciated in, in that sense, passed mm. along and carried on. And so, so sought, sought after and looked for and like to somebody that is, you know, seeking that knowledge that will, they will come to them. So, um, that whole, for me, the knowledge that I found in, in my work and my jobs in the herbal supplements industry was in looking at plants under the microscope and determining, uh, you know, does it have the cellular characteristics that it should have that you would expect for this particular product on the commercial market and like chamomile flowers or something like that mm. uh and then as well as other stuff we'll talk about too the chemical and but the, the looking at stuff under the microscope um it's really cool and you get a uh i mean yeah again like my experience of looking at these products is it just the commercial products that are on the market so every time I'm looking at a plant and that's growing, when I'm walking around somewhere, I'm always more interested to to kind of study it and just at least appreciate it. <clears throat> mm. you, I may not understand it, you know, like for me, like oh, I want to try to understand, I want to look at it, I want to recognize the structures and this and that. But um, I try not to get caught up in that and just appreciate it, you know, and like see it and not try to count the number of petals or something. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> The spawned microscope mystic. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, I know. I'm grateful for every every ounce of experience that I've gotten over the the years. So I'm trying to, you know. There's some legendary uh, <clears throat> teachers and uh, thought leaders that came out of that school and chemists uh, uh, i mean my my professor was named volpart and i think he like wrote the textbook that was organic chemistry it was super hard that was just like kind of a testament to how hard organic chemistry was which i failed um but yeah you had i can't (laughs) you had all the atomic uh research there and a lot of uh to this day, like the Lawrence Berkeley Labs and the the Livermore mm. uh, Lawrence Livermore Labs, lots of government funded uh, 
chemical like yeah physics and crazy so it's going on so i'm my i guess my my thing i like to say is in berkeley you get like kind of this vibe and this feeling of there's like this atomic age and era there where there's like almost you know transcending time and reality and space yeah the fabric of 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 uh of our reality of our perceptions and and that's what kind of adds to the craziness of it because it's like the first cyclotron was in or one i don't know if it was the absolute first but yeah they talked about the first cyclotron being in the the lecture hall underground where the organic chemistry classes and other classes were taught wow and you would go you would go down into this class and there'd be like rotating stage that was at the bottom and like you'd have like a bunch of you know blackboards on this rotating stage and it would go around and have like three different courses you know classes a day and they had the different professors would come in and they'd be able to like it was this whole operation but like it used to be housing this big nuclear experiment wow <laughs> so i always thought that was cool too that was very cool wasn't there some lsd synthesized on Ber- at berkeley as well yeah and i i know there i don't know the, the names of all the people that were down there but there's there's i've heard different things too about about a lot of it like uh the supply and i've heard uh but but yeah no i mean it's rumors though right yeah i i i i've heard that you know and people i don't know if it was like a cult maybe or something like there was just like this one central like cult where like it was like this maybe that's what it was there's like a lot of people connected to it so there has to be like offshoots and things like that so Mm. like but i believe it was there's it's it's interesting because there's some the culture i bet you there's a very interesting cultural so like that book that michael pollan wrote about uh, how to change your mind and yes uh, he talks about like for al hubbard and the, the johnny appleseed of lsd and like the whole church of it and i think there's some like i was thinking about it, there's this crazy interesting anthropological which i hate anthropology because it's hard but uh study to do on uh the explosion of lsd in the 50s and 60s and something and then everything the disastrous like you know his handling of it but yes uh, <laughs> yeah and everything else that goes along so, that's a whole that's a whole nother talk for sure yeah i'm not qualified do you do you mind telling me before <laughs> before we i know you brought slides and we're gonna we're gonna discuss yeah, yeah, quite no a problem. few things before we jump into it do you mind what what exactly are your credentials what you you have a degree in what um my bachelor's degree is um bs in genetics and plant biology okay um, that's about it and then like five years of like yeah looking uh, identification of herbal uh, ingredients which i consider to be the academic part of the industry mm. so i'm pretty mm. i'm proud of that too Just... yeah hands-on experience scientifically as well after the after the fact and you've worked in in some form of of botany or ethnobotany work experience wise as well right yeah 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 um uh, like uh not not so much in a practical sense of like being an herbalist uh, i'm not an herbalist there are people out there who or yeah and i think that's even a broad term too like i don't even know what that encompasses um 
Yeah. I just have it. I just have the job experience. Yeah. So, well, speaking of herb, herbal supplements, you worked in supplements, right? As well. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Started originally in Whole Foods, selling supplements in the in the supplements department, and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> they hired me there because I had knowledge of the names of plants, essentially, because that's they have a name. And then, because then I uh, started testing those ingredients that went in the supplements that I worked for, manufacturer of ingredients that imported. Um, for example, golden seal or echinacea or cinnamon from China or in India, anywhere uh, where, the, where the medicinal herbs are coming from, and they would uh, bring them over in the containers, and then they broker them out, and they they, they grind them into powders. Mm. And you... those ingredients get put into all the supplements and stuff. So they, I was, in, I've always been involved in quality control of those. And, uh, Do you mind trying to to uh, undo the headphones and see how it sounds with your? Because yeah. I, I think the audio quality is like kind of filtered a little bit maybe just straight from the mic of the device that you're using i don't know we'll see if it sounds better hello that sounds so much better <laughs> sorry yes noise noise uh monitoring like these sony wireless headphones that like they track the room that i'm in and they go Mm. They're like, they're like, you're in the bedroom. <laughs> Change to bedroom settings. Like, I'm like. <laughs> so you started with the supplements at Whole Foods and gradually worked your way into other sectors of that same. Line yeah, of so work. I like worked up, in, essentially, because yeah, I was at like the consumer level of the supply chain at Whole Foods, and then I was at the containership level of the supply chain at uh the job i was at after that where you know they would bring that would be looking at them under the microscope or doing the the chemistry there and then they sign off on it and they would say uh this is good to go like uh, they have to the fda requires you to do a test for the identity of your ingredients and if it's an herbal supplement you have to do a you have to prove that it's ginkgo biloba or prove that whatever it is and so one of the techniques is using the microscope or using, mm. you know, looking at if you have the whole plant, you can look at the whole plant mm. to identify based on that, and then, you know, and then, or you'll have the TLC chromatograph, which is used in industry in like powders for powders, the, the microscope and the TLC is for powder. So, so yeah, like college, we did like a little TLC thing, which is like a little piece of paper that you would uh, take a little spot with some sample. And then you would take that piece of paper and stick it in a little, jar with uh like a chem like chloroform mm. and then chem chloroform would go up the it would like you know when you stick a piece of paper in water that water goes up the up the paper right and like runs up the paper uh so it's like chloroform goes up fast and goes through and depending on you know if it was chloroform or toluene some other solvent the chemicals that are in that little sample that you put on that paper that you're now dipping in it depending on what the interactions are that that thing's gonna you know what you end up with at the end is gonna look different you're gonna have like 
that spot is either going to stay at the bottom or it's going to be at the top or it's going to be split up and like you're going to see different spots along the way and that's the chromatograph that's chromato the chromatography of thin layer chromatography of separating those compounds so so it's it's like coming a long way from taking a little piece of paper and sticking it in the beaker with foil mm. and like seeing one little spot and like being like oh yeah we saw the one little spot versus this more complicated advance so that's that's what the industry of herbal supplements uses is their quality control measure okay for that for the fda requirement and that's where the, that's where my whole job came from okay so and you were telling me something about uh you read you read in the news something about metragenine uh sp- speciosa uh also known as kratom 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 however you say it i think hamilton morris calls it kratom um, it would be the correct way to say it in Thailand, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to start by uh, saying uh, I'm happy that you're bringing this subject to the podcast because uh, Kratom is actually a plant that I have used to help me medicinally to uh, not only withdraw from opiates in the past, but uh, to abstain from opiates as it uh, acts on the opiate receptor. However, it is... Um, not as dangerous at, or dangerous at all. I believe there have been no recorded deaths as a result of Kratom, except for maybe when there was like an, an accident and there was other drugs involved. It was a car accident. Uh, it's a very safe substance and uh, a great alternative for people that are seeking to get off opiates and don't want to use the traditional maintenance medications such as uh, Suboxone or Methadone. And uh, it is a plant and it is a leaf that comes off of a tree in uh, mostly Thailand, and it is a plant that I've been safely using for a number of years now, and I, I attribute it um, in part. I've also done some work to abstain from opiates for now two and a half years. However, uh, it I, I do attribute a lot of my recovery to uh, using that medicinally. It, it's helped me from, kept me from relapsing and kept me from having cravings. And in instances where I, I wanted to use Instead, I took Kratom and and I didn't end up using, and I'm so entirely grateful for that plant and, and all plants on, on, on this planet. However, uh, the, this one in particular has a special place in my heart. So what did you see on the news? And, and you brought some slides to discuss Kratom, correct? Yeah, I just have a couple of little snapshots that I thought, um, I just kind of threw them in there and then it turns out that I saw something on the news. Um it was it's, it's it was i was just quickly reading but the it looks like the fda was working with um some other agency and they had seized some companies large quantity like a million dollars worth of uh the plant material or extract and um the fda is basically recommending to the dea or has recommended to the dea to schedule Kratom, Kratom uh, which I'm laughing because I have a second part to the story to tell you, but the FDA has in the past recommended to the DEA to schedule it as a Schedule 1, in fact. Um, wow. And no medicinal contest- use. It was contested um, and stated that there was no scientific uh, basis for that, and so it hasn't been scheduled. That was that was a few years ago. I remember. Um, the only thing, uh, and it got really hot. For a second, and so um, if you want, I can show the pictures of it really Yes, fast. please. So we'll get that. And I know that there are studies out there. You can find even a video on YouTube that shows 
how it, it's actually not addictive, how it works. I don't, I'm not, I don't have a background in science, so I can't speak on it, but it, there's been labs, lab, uh, lab tests where showing that it doesn't activate that same addictive pattern for people that are using it as a regular traditional opiate would, because it's actually not an opiate. It just uh, attaches to the opioid receptor, correct? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure the receptor activity of it specifically. I know it comes in the, the leaf form or the extract form, and then there's a some modified possible forms of it with the 7-hydroxy mitragynine, which mm-hmm. from experience of or what I've been told from anecdotal evidence is very rare, and to find a 7-hydroxy mitragynine is not common um but it's possible that it's a metabolite when you do ingest regular mitragynine so okay. i don't know that story okay what metabolites are and how it affects your body and all that so um what are we looking yeah, at here i can't so so what's really interesting about kratom is how we identify it is these little these look like little bubbles uh so this is the same cell and group of cells under uh, the left side is a cross polarization and the right side is just uh, polarized light. Okay. So the polarized light on the right, you you just see this, it's kind of a plain light. It's a little yellow, so uh, the, the quality is not perfect. Um, but uh, basically that crystalline structure inside that's illuminated under the cross polarized light is a calcium oxalate crystal and that bubble shaped cell is just happens to be the you know, the, the structure that it looks like embedded in, in, and it's embedded in the leaf tissue behind it. So you see that and uh, it's consistent with the kratom and that along with other features. So there's it again with that one's pretty cool. So the another feature that you see here is these resin, that orange, yes. it looks like tannins, possibly a lot of times it'll be tannins, but it could be involved. It could be, you know, those will be like the there'll be flavonoids and polyphenols and things like that. And so it could also include in the resin other things in cannabis, so cannabinoids in this one, maybe the mitragynine. So, so you, you those cells there would be containing those uh, compounds of interest. So mm. you can actually visualize them under the microscope, and you're actually seeing some chemical attributes as well as the physical attributes, which is kind of uh, a fine point in microscopy that is cool. Very cool. Mm. So yeah, that was the Kratom stuff. Um, and 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 what 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 is your stance um, based on what you know about Kratom, uh, it becoming scheduled? Um, yeah, I mean, I think for them to go their way to schedule that would be a little bit silly for sure. Because, um, so when I was when I was working and taking those pictures, one of my coworkers was a, a PhD botanist and a genetic, you know, molecular plant molecular geneticist. Mm-hmm. Um, who was from Thailand and he's like, yeah, my, you know, I know all that crap. I've seen it in the, he's, he knew all that every plant, but, uh, Palm, he's, he's, you know, he's a lot, he's smart. He's like doing some LA, UCLA job now, but, um, then he would tell me about the different ways that they would use it in this and that. And it was all pretty benign, like daily too. Yeah. It could be just as, you know benign as 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 any other plant like cannabis or something like that or just as you know detrimental depending on the dose and how it's used it's all dependent on the, the dose um thank you for sharing that yeah 
I, I'm actually really happy to hear that. Yes, the the, the Thai do use it uh, as a stimulant, as a mild, it's a mild stimulant, similar, and it's in the coffee family as well, Kratom. Yeah. All right. Would that be the Ruby family? I, I guess so. I know that it, it's a cousin of coffee. That's what I know. Yeah, yeah. That's, I forget what the other one that I so, but yeah. So um, we need to decriminalize I, nature. Stop trying to punish plants. Yeah. What's the other good one? There's another good one that's in the coffee family that I can't remember right now. But a lot of it's interesting when you look at the the diversity and the the inter the the relations of plants and their families and uh, the, the properties that they have. Like for example, the nightshade family and uh, they have personalities and <clears throat> that's I think that's pretty cool uh, to explore with with these microscopic or other attributes that uh yeah you see the personality at every level that you experience and analyze it and uh to 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 to, you know to write off one of those personalities as being inherently bad is short-sighted and and yeah so i thank you for saying that people uh don't want to hear so well (laughs) fuck them and uh you also have studied hemp is that what we're segueing into here next Let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we can we can go ahead and all put that back up. Yeah, yeah. Any 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 uh, specific things that you? Yeah, please uh, let me know. Well, what, I thought that was what we were going next, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, that's the next one. But if uh, anything comes up specifically, sorry, I'm trying to do the like, kind of the share and then not share. Kind of keep it uh, engaging. You, you can keep it open. It's okay. Most of the people are gonna just listen anyways. So now at this point, you can keep it open. Okay, so here's a track home everybody wants to see. So, but yeah, this is from just a hemp plant. Um, some of this, we plant tested hemp for the FDA, CDFA compliance, and uh, some of them were above the 0.3, some of them were below the 0.3, so that's another whole interesting topic that California is debating in the Senate and the House right now, and they're, they're putting bills through this year, and I don't know when they're going to do it to debate to say can you put cbd and hemp ingredients into food and supplements and cosmetics and other things like that and then inhalables and smokables is a whole another that's another added element and layers to that which is in that bill so mm. but this is hemp, which is legal but you can't put it in any into any products because it's not fda approved mm. so uh but here we go it looks exactly the same you know as everybody talks about it, it's like oh they're the same plant yeah they really look exactly the same and I saw something the other day that was they were listing cannabis sativa, indica, and cannabis ruderalis. So three species, cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, cannabis ruderalis. I don't know what it was, but um, I would accept those three species. But I also think that uh, I'm more of a lumper than a splitter. So okay, you talk about the different medicines around the world and... It makes it complicated when you try to run everything, all 10,000 years of traditional medicine through the Linnaean system of Latin binomials and try to put everything through, you know, it's like run, it's like running your chemistry method and forcing everything through zero. Hmm. Everything is all the same, you know, template, graphic, and you, you end up with just more confusion than you were trying to, you know, make uh, clear of, of the situation that it's... Uh, but that's what we get with modern society. And so all you're making stuff. the argument that those three species are actually one and the same. More or less, yeah. I mean, we're all one continuous uh, 
universe, right? And we are all everything. The more we try to separate and put everything in its box, the, I think the more we lose, that's just inherently dividing ourselves away and cutting ourselves off from reality. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, when it comes to these resins and these plant oils and that when it, the dose is what matters to everything, it's like, yeah, obviously, if you if you um, if you want to take advantage of the benefits of CBD, um, or CBD is probably not even the right term because you want to take advantage of you know somebody wants to take advantage of the benefits of CBD. What they really want is the hemp plant and what they've been used for for thousands of years, and um, to try to to try to just market it as CBD. It might not work for as many people, and that's why a lot of people complain because CBD products don't work for them. Um, and maybe it's sometimes maybe CBD isolate does work, and maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But what matters, like you know, like um, I would say the same thing for any medicinal plant. But if you're going to use the, the medicinal plant, like ashwagandha, don't go by like don't, your first impulse shouldn't be like I need to get a capsule of maca root and drink the maca root capsules i should get the powdered maca root at least or like i should try to get the whole ashwagandha root and grind it myself mm. and like you know brew it the traditional way and uh, so we'll get to the ayahuasca on that but in its um, raw form <laughs> yeah to just try to experience it and like really know it and and get the feeling because when i take a raw like a gelatinized maca powder for example and i drink it i'm like dang this shit makes me feel kind of weird but like it's not bad but just like you notice it and you're like Okay. And even if it's just kind of a mild, like it's like a, it's in the, you know, it's in the mustard family. So it's like a spiciness, you know, it's like a vegetable spiciness. It's not anything crazy. It's just a food, but you, you, you might not notice as much if you just take a capsule, it might just kind of, you might, <clears throat> it's like uh, the difference between eating fresh raw mushrooms versus taking like a, uh, eating like a, a reishi capsule. Like, I don't mm. know. I feel like if you have a reishi tea, you might experience it differently than a reishi capsule so that's my my thing yeah uh, whatever for you but if I, it might it's just maybe there's a spiritual element to making a tea or something like sure that. well i'd like to jump in really quick on the cbd i do have experience with it using it daily uh, maps has actually made me discontinue it because i'm participating in the mdma clinical trials the phase three for for ptsd and they made me discontinue my CBD usage because they're actually studying CBD as a as a medication for uh, post-traumatic stress disorder as well. So they don't want there to be any uh, confusion or overlap on which medication is working, right? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I I take it. And I before, when I was a chronic smoker of marijuana, I didn't notice anything with CBD. The CBD products didn't work for me. However, as a sober, I, I'm completely abstained from most of all mind-altering substances, at least the bad ones. Um, when I started taking CBD, my tremors, I had i had hand tremors from, from anxiety and, and post-traumatic stress disorder. And the CBD almost eliminated them for me. Uh, I noticed a big difference, but I was using full spectrum and without yeah. the use of cannabis regularly. Yeah, I recently did like a huge survey. I spent like a whole like day, you know, not that big, but just trying to find any scientific article and read into the details of it and the study that was done and the CBD and the dosage and animals that studies that it was done on and this and that and <clears throat> a lot of more. What I what I resolved from the whole read of my reading was that a lot more clinical human studies need to be done, mm. but there was a lot of indication that those should be done because there was a lot of promising data from the animal studies. In a lot of different 
aspects. And um, I think if you just sort of look into a Chinese medicine textbook and see what it's used for, it's a good place to start, you know, like uh, something like that. Something real simple and old school and just kind of basic, but by the book. And um, if and anybody could find, you know, like for me, something that's worked, I just kind of jumped to something different, but uh, triphala, which is a blend of three fruits. Um, I really used to like complain all the time of like uh, heartburn and digestion, you know, like acid in my stomach as mm-hmm. a, you know, uh, and it's, and it could be from having the munchies or whatever, you know, smoking sure. pizza and all that. So it's like, man, I gotta do something, but I didn't like taking that. So I take this triphala stuff and it's like an Ayurvedic blend. It's supposed to be for like regularity and, but detoxifying your system inside and promoting the correct bacteria and all that stuff apparently uh and just like i just take it like even just a few times a week and i'll just take one or two tablets it's like a gram of fruit powder it's it's raw dry fruit powder and it just works wonders so wow. triphala is something that i recommend to anybody and it's gentle and i think it cleans and detoxifies you'll have to send that to me i have i have a similar issue actually like ibs and and acid in my stomach so i would love to try that for sure i yeah i'll send you the article that i just found on it a couple days ago too cool and what is this that we're looking at so this is just another kind of trichome so i have a interesting so these are two different trichomes that are in cannabis and they're in all cannabis and that's what to identify them is like there's a mix of like five or four trichomes uh but what makes it sticky is a combination of these resin trichomes right here that Mm -hmm. we're all familiar with which look sticky because they're wet and all that with resin but then these uh this is the base and this is like the bottom of it here right i guess you got this the with all these like striations um but it's like uh like a little hair there we are whatever you go sorry <laughs> so yeah you see these big long things and then so those are like imagine like uh, the tips of like spider-man's fingers or something like that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, cool so like they look like mushrooms too like this one over here on the far right it looks like a mushroom that the resin trichomes and like it's funny that uh, nature just has these repeating patterns um and the same with like a spiders there's like they just use these same you know like uh my fingers don't have sticky things that i can climb on the wall but like a gecko or whatever uh-huh. like that's what makes a plant sticky or or like any weeds grasses the reason grasses this is this looks very similar to a grass mm-hmm. uh, under the microscope so yeah very cool <laughs> so that's that this is something different this is cinnamon okay uh, i don't know if you want to talk about cinnamon we well, can just kind of or whatever let's, let's let's jump through to uh what's next it, it, are we ready to talk triglycerides yeah yeah um we'll just look at some cool cinnamon for the yeah, intervene these check them out favorite. this little maybe thing just the breeze top, through them this little thing on the top left is my favorite part of the cinnamon these little like white lines they look like little shards they're they're just crystals of this and so we look at the crystals of the metragynine uh or metragyna and uh these crystals here so similar uh, to the kratom the cinnamon yeah, there's there's crystals and there's resins and there's all these things. It looks like the galaxy to me. What that first yeah, one, it, this one, yeah, the one on the top left that looks like outer space. Yeah, I was gonna, that was what I was gonna say. It was like yeah, looking at um, so Beautiful. so really fun. To look at this stuff under the like for a living. Like it's hard to beat that job, you know. Yeah, I envy that. That's beautiful, man. 
So our next slide is going to be Trichosterius. Here's some more cinnamon. Uh, yeah, here, let's just look at this hemp real quick. So people talk about... Oh, hemp. Sorry. Compound. Hemp. We'll just finish off the hemp. Sorry. Uh, okay. People talk about the compounds in hemp. And so here's 12 compounds that are contained in the cannabis plant. Okay. CBD, VA, all the way to Delta 9, THCA. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is like a little experiment I did with a quick ladder. I call it, you know, it's kind of like a little quick term, but <clears throat> if this is a TLC fingerprint chromatograph, but each one of these lanes is an individual sample. So one through 12, each one of those is a spot. So you'll have this plate right here. I should have made a little diagram of how this is actually done, but you'll have the, at, at the top, you can see each different name of each sample. So yes. each one of those sample. And because these are each individual compounds, there's only one little line here in each lane. So mm -hmm. what we're looking at is an isolated compound, and this is where it migrates in this system. So we can predict that in this system, if we were to take a sample, the if these compounds were in there, we could look at the thing and we would see, okay, we would see a band this color at this spot right here, and it corresponds to this compound. Mm. And so that is a correlative proof to, to really fully prove it, then you would have to take that band and do a little mass spec on it and do some extra chemical, you know, spectral analysis to confirm the identity of the compound. But if for the most intents and purposes, like if you're taking a hemp flower and you're grinding it up and putting it in the machine, you know, it's hemp. You're just trying to determine how much compound. So the question would become like, okay, is this Delta eight or Delta nine THC? Because they, they look slightly, they're very, you know, three and four are close together. Uh, so if they're in the sample together, they might not actually separate that well. But because mm. they're already separated, they they do their own, you know, they, they have their individual properties and they, they go to their own spot here. But in, in, in the reality, in the sample itself, they might not behave exactly the same way. <clears throat> they might have interactions. Those two compounds, when they're together, might interact with each other mm. and stay together. And they might not actually split up. So, so but that's so that's where this theory of these is here, but then in practice, it might not look the same. So in practice, those, so we were seeing 12 different ones. Now we're seeing four and one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. So in each one, there's three. So 12 divided by four, three in each line. So all I did was I ran that one and then I said, okay, these ones, I can just take the ones that are farthest apart. So you'll notice that they're as far as apart as possible. So they're interestingly pretty evenly far apart. And so, this method right here. So the samples on the right-hand side are actual hemp mm -hmm. samples. And you'll see that A is a very band. And the reason that it's dark, intense, black, and red is just because there's so much that it just takes up all the space there. So what happens here is you put this stuff at the bottom. So you see that bottom dotted line. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of rambling here, but you just take that, I'm trying to make sense of all this. Um, what did you say you, the threshold was the, for the for approval? That's approved by the government is it 0 0.03 is that what you said yeah 0 .0, 0 0.0 0.3 so 0.3 three tenths of a percent thc uh, thc which is a total thc delta nine plus delta nine thca and what do they do with a plant that 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 tests above that did they did they trash it um they have to go through a process they can try to retest it it's fucking absurd uh if they and it used to be that if it was above like 0.7 or 0.5 it was negligence and like if you do it too many times or go above one percent the dea will come after you oh my they god 
raise the percentage like one percent and it's different state by state and all this so so um but yeah then they have to destroy it or try to like they can they can grind it up with the stocks and retest it and sell it as biomass for cheaper you know um and this is because it's federally regulated had it been state by state like for example california the california wouldn't care because california has got legal cannabis california regulates it though so Do yeah they? so california, legal cannabis recreational then they also regulate uh industrial hemp products oh wow uh, separately so yeah and so you have to have a separate licenses and all that and you can't sell the two in the same facility it's really and there's a lot of quote-unquote legal gray area mm. but uh like for example delta 8 thc which is on the here um doesn't mean they make it from cbd oil you can mm -hmm. convert delta thc to delta 8 or you can convert cbd to delta 8 um using chemical processes wow and then 12 or 15 states have banned it um for different reasons the it's on the delta eight it's delta eight thc is on the dea's schedule list along with delta nine but the reason that it's quote unquote legal is because the farm bill doesn't reference delta eight and just says delta nine thc mm. what well could happen is they've been the farm bill they could do they who knows what can happen but state by state they're just regulating or banning it so it'll probably be a state state issue delta eight um california is probably going to ban it but they're just really slow to do anything. Really? Uh, California's going to ban it? Oregon banned it. Uh, what the Florida, fuck? New York banned it. So they're going to, if anything, they'll try to allow it to regulate it through cannabis, but they first they have to allow you to mix hemp and cannabis because it's produced from hemp. So it just gets really sticky and messy and just weird and gross. Same with uh, CBN. Like if you've got a CBN product, um, I mean, it is possible to make CBN from Delta 9 THC distillate, like pure Delta 9 distillate. You could chemically convert into CBN most likely, mm. same way you do CBD. But I'm just not smart enough to know for sure what mm. they're all doing. Um, but the FDA could step in and be like, you guys are putting, you know, solvents and acid, but then they just test it for compliance through the cannabis testing protocols that they have to do, and it passes, and they can they put it to market. Uh, and safe enough for the, to pass those tests but there's also a question with delta 8 one thing that's actually interesting to know about it's <clears throat> they in order to process it and convert one through the conversion process they have to add i think it's like bentonite clays these natural brewers clays that are mm. pretty harmful products and they go into the vapes they they're in the oil so delta 8 vapes is going to have that stuff in it and it's possible that those parts of the sample matrix would disrupt the ana analysis and you know you wouldn't detect the full percentage of either the delta 8 or pesticides or something else so okay. um, that's why the health concerns are pretty needing to investigate and i mean for me i don't know so it's not uh, necessarily unwarranted completely huh. No, yeah, I mean, my stance on it is, like, we have this perfectly good CBD oil, uh, and then they, they mix it with, like, hex heptane or hexane, and then they add acetic acid, and they heat it up for, like, 24 hours, and then they filter it and clean it up, and that's what becomes Delta-8 distillate and makes a bunch of byproducts. So there's, like, 6% of if – you, if you run, like, an HPLC chromatogram on it, I saw from one of the people making it, at the part of the chromatogram, there's all these unidentified compounds that aren't 
aren't a cannabinoid. They aren't in the. They're just crazy degradation products, probably. And mm. so there is some elements of unknown that. Uh, but even in the vape, you know, vape industry in general, or oil industry in general, if, if you're getting mass-produced products, there was a problem with I think Chinese hemp at some point. Uh, mm. Mm. Just knowing the products that you're using and getting the good stuff is always important. For sure, yeah. Going local, trusted sources. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, not not rambling too much about it, but yeah, I I, I prefer like a, a hash rosin or mm. water hash to yes, like bubble. Or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love I'll bubble like hash. It. But BHO is good too. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So decriminalizing nature is uh, actually a maybe too <clears throat> drastic of a statement because you, then you have the issues of contamination. You know? We do want some form of regulation. What do you think? Decriminalizing nature? Well... Because when I say that, I mean just fucking legalize it essentially um yeah it's so weird that we even have to have the conversation i don't even (laughs) (laughs) yeah i hear you it's okay it's okay it's a it's a whole nother talk yeah we're talking science no, I mean, it's okay. So it's interesting. We were talking about all this stuff. Like, okay, he could buy a truck series at Home Depot for a minute there. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. So I guess uh, there are things that are more legal than you think, or like the ayahuasca thing. But the, the church in Oakland of mushrooms got raided. So, wow. Federally? Uh, I think so. I think, like, I don't know. I don't know exactly, but they, they got busted. They were, they were probably just selling a lot of mushrooms, but they also, it, you know, who knows what it, you know, really was uh, the raid you know inspired by because right it probably wasn't very just i'm sure it's never just who am i to it's know, never to... just to imprison somebody and to take their livelihoods from them because they produce or ingest a plant or something of that nature um and yes trichosterius is still available actually in some home depots and i there are local nurseries around here where they are and that it's known as a Trichosterius pachanoi predominant cultivar, a PC, which we yeah. talked about a little bit before the episode. Gotcha. Supposed to be non-psychoactive or at least uh, have very minuscule amounts, trace amounts of, of the psychoactive alkaloids of, of mescaline. Uh, and it's a legal gray area as well. Yeah, yeah, if you extract it for human consumption or something like that and then obviously so yeah if you're if you're producing this one and selling it they're going to try to that's who they're going to go after and if if they're going to go after somebody but um so you're producing if you're just making it at home for yourself same risk as anything else right uh, mm-hmm. so i would think that that's that's something that should be should be i guess that's sort of the beginnings of a of a road of a path to under of, to understanding and um recognition although there's always going to be that fear of home depot might be like we got to pull this because 
someone could make you know sue us because of this right um that's that's the bummer but i guess that's why it's it's, that's what causes the yeah it becomes a whole thing but but yeah so like the pc like i haven't read enough to really know i can tell you the difference between this or that or the other variety and um tell me what you did though you you went and bought one right yeah yeah so i went to the garden grove home depot and they had summer stanton and got a monstrosa and a regular at the time and then I bought a Monstrosa and a regular, uh, you know, not Monstrosa from Sunset Cactus, Sunrise Cactus. Now, shout out to Sunrise uh, Cactus. Yeah, it, back at back when it was Sunset Cactus, hmm. the the Nighthawk, the Nighthawk Cactus. Uh, uh, He's coming on <laughs> soon. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that was I was stoked when I saw it. I was like, oh sweet, we can give a little shout out and be like. Yeah, so we're featuring another guest on this uh, plate, on this particular TLC plate right here. That's right. Um, so you bought one, and which, then what? Yeah, so I collected my 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 little uh, personal collection uh, from my my gifts and my my sourcing that I had of these different scientific uh, specimens. Uh, we. We had an older, so yeah, let's see, there's one, two, three, four here. So one of these is going to be the Sunset, Sunrise Cactus. One of them is going to be the Home Depot. One of them is, let's see, three, four. So we have two. So I have a, I think I had an old K trout. I had a keeper trout. I had keeper trout specimens. One I think was an old specimen that was dried and had been sitting around. And then I had one that was a freshly sent one. And it was interesting because it had seven ribs or something like that. He was like, I assure you this is too passionate, but it has this many ribs. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Trust you. Um, <laughs> <they'll-> <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be an expert on columnar cacti whatsoever. But then, so he sent us number one. So this is number five here, where it says possibly alkaloids or mescaline-related compounds. That uh, is uh, cited as Trichocerus lucernatus, mm. which was some species known for activity, but was not well studied. And it interestingly has no real intense band corresponding to the sigma reference standard of mescaline but it has an intense band slightly removed from it. And you could postulate about the chemical properties of it and you can try to study it and then figure out what it is. But I just know that it has a similar reactivity in the system and migrates around to the same spot as the mescaline. Hmm. So there's a good chance of chemical structure similar. So could be active, could be, could not, you know, it could be like THCA that it's not act, it's not psychoactive it could be uh some therapeutic compound that we don't know about that's you know who knows okay. so that's an interesting cool part about tlc like just with this quick boom shotgun approach we take all these different plants and we just extract them so on the left side with the circle mm-hmm. you see all those intenser more intense kind of there's the yellowish this left side was extracted with um, a base and the right side was extracted with just methanol so the base enhanced the um how much we extracted it the, the more intense the bands are the more 
compounds are present. And so we're using the base to enhance the extraction. So that was just kind of the difference of the left and the right sides. But overall, TLC allows you to get this quick qualitative look at an immense amount of data right in front of your face of 20 different samples. And, you know, this is, you could run three or four different methods and you could see the essential oils and you could see the saponins and you could see the flavonoids. And then, um, yeah, it, it just, you know, the one, it just does mirror, it does, a, who knows what, the, the, what you could learn from it and how you could inspire research and uh, mm. try to find new compounds and stuff like that. Now, now remind me, break it down again. You were, on, on one side is, is a cactus, a specimen from Sunrise Cactus. Okay, so if we just go on the plate right here, starting from left to right, mm -hmm. and if you look at, don't look, ignore the top, the numbers on the top. Sure. Look at the numbers on the bottom. Okay. Like one through 14. So if you look at lane one, seven, and 14, mm -hmm. those are sigma reference standards. So that's just like a mescaline dissolved in one mg per mil methanol. Mm -hmm. So um, one milligram per mil mescaline was dissolved in that. So if the intensity of that band represents qualitatively speaking one milligram per milliliter of mescaline so if your solution looks has a band of similar intensity then you might say it's probably somewhere close to that concentration baseline so, yeah exactly that's where you set up and so you could do like a spectral analysis and you could say the intensity of the band shows it's 10 times the baseline exactly so okay. you could say it's 100 x or whatever so so that's a, that's how we know that at 0.41, uh, the RF value. So on the left-hand side, you'll see 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0 0.5. Uh, those are the RF retention factors. Uh, and so anything that's at that retention factor that looks of the similar characteristic color and yada, 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 reacts with the same chemical property uh, treatments and things, uh, you can roughly guess that it's probably that compound. Understood. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, but we don't know for sure, but yeah, so, okay. but we assume, and so we, we, we do make that assumption, but yeah, so then the two, three, four, five, six are the samples, mm -hmm. and then 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 are the same samples. Mm. Uh, they're extracted two different ways. Sure. Um, the 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 are a weaker extraction because there's methanol, and then two, three, four, five, six, seven are, two, six, are methanol with a uh, ammonium hydroxide base added in. Okay. Uh, and that's like, if you were going to extract your uh, mimosa hostilis bark, you do acid base extraction, which we can talk, we have that on another slide later, but yeah. So the K trout ones are like five, six, probably, and possibly four. And then the sunrise and H uh, home Depot are going to be two, three. So they all look the same. Yes. PC uh, or the, keeper trout you know voucher specimen from uh shulgin farms ranch or whatever mm -hmm. they all seem to have uh similar although a keen eye which i'm just now actually realizing mm. the uh the band in the k trout mm -hmm. lane five does look about point uh zero one rf you know very minutely but slightly higher yeah than the PC ones okay uh inexplicably so that's where that spec for the spectral analysis and my spec would come in handy is it because 
a variation of concentration or something because they don't look 100% identical. Um, the quote-unquote PC ones probably do look more alike each other. They look more identical. Yeah. With the trout one being, there's a little more pink in the amino acid range and okay. a little more yellow here. Also, I would say, you know, so this 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 particular chemical system is the, it'll separate amino acids and it'll separate um, uh, alkaloids as well. It, and so, so you don't necessarily know exactly what everything is on the plate, but. Uh, okay. My takeaway from this slide is that the Home Depot PC Pachinoy is uh, the same or very, very close to uh, other traditional trichoserious in mescaline content that was my takeaway as well um but again a keen questioning eye might look take a look at that and say are you sure about that because look at how a little bit higher that but sure they're they're you know it's it's 99 percent sure it's but there it nonetheless <laughs> so experiential testing would probably be the best thing to do next okay <laughs> <laughs> that's probably you know the fastest way so interesting compounds nonetheless thank you for doing this patrick i'm i'm <laughs> so grateful man i'm fascinated um, by this a lot of it goes over my head but i've been able to keep up for the most part you know no it's all good and I'm, I'm rambling and I'm probably not the greatest. Uh, you're fine. Guest. No, you're great. You're great, dude. You're great. Thank you. The hardcore uh, podcast uh, followers will appreciate it, I'm sure. Yeah. The trico serious heads will. The psychonauts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's another picture of it. We can just kind of take a quick gander. Okay. You'll see effects of the different extractions, like on the left and the right hand side. Mm hmm. The left side looks pretty messy. Like if you want it to look a little more clean, you might prefer the right side, the extraction. Uh, okay. And you do see again, 9, 10, 11, very consistent. Nine might be the really old one. Maybe nine is from like 2002 and that's why it's kind of weak. You don't see much. Okay. 10, 11 were recently dried from the PC sources. And then 12 was from Shulgin Ranch. And 13 was a different species also from Shulgin Ranch. And, and uh, 12 looks the most exciting, I would say. And 13 looks exciting, too, uh, with that extra bright blue at the bottom. Okay. There. So I would say that this, this slide does highlight some of the differences that you could give as a reason to explore further. Okay. okay. Uh, for sure, because uh, you never know. Just one of these, any one of these tests could be so misleading if you take it as being comprehensive and being like, even just assuming that those are all mescaline is an assumption that this test does not necessarily prove. Um, beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, beyond, yeah, beyond like, there are other tests that could be done to confirm or deny okay yeah. <laughs> okay i will appreciate your careful approach but i'm gonna go with it home depot's pc pochin always got mescaline in it and a good amount of it it does line up with the mescaline quite quite well mm. there mm. and you know what's actually really interesting now that i'm taking this another look if you look on the right hand side lane 13 mm -hmm. there's a band there that is not as strong in six which is the same sample with the different extractions 
so you would expect it to follow the same pattern of stronger on the left but it's actually that one particular band in that location is there stronger okay. so okay. maybe the the form of the each different cactus and the form of the crystalline structure of the this point inside of the cell of the plant could be the factor that changes the way that it behaves on the plate you know so <laughs> kind of being aware of the microcosms and the macrocosms and up and down scale now, uh, but then realizing that it's all kind of speculation and i have no idea so now can, can before we jump into the ayahuasca can we talk about uh can you show the the master species that we were discussing here oh yeah yeah it's... so because there's debate in the in the cactus community about pc predominant cultivar pachinoy being different um, possibly a completely different plant than the regular Trichocereus pachinoy. Now, where what is the source that you're showing us? So this is Q Science. This is just what I've used in the past to as a starting point to find the uh, sort of a literature reference for plant naming okay. in the uh, around the globe, and it's in the Q Botanical Gardens in wherever Q, it's like, you know, England or some shit in the UK. Okay. Uh, there are a couple other ones. There's the Tropicos, which is the University uh, Botanical Gardens, Missouri Botanical Gardens, the University of Missouri. Mm. Um, and so there's just these big academic naming of plant institutions. Uh, and you can use them as a starting point to trace it to the primary literature, which is publications that have been peer-reviewed and um, written about people who are studying those plants in their local uh, native regions and they're naming them okay. and they're tracing the original name they're you know they're studying the history of how many times has this plant been named and discovered and was it the correct plant and following those descriptions and looking back through the historical morphologies and saying was this accurate uh, is it still accurate today is what i'm seeing consistent with it does does this make sense? But does it make more sense if I modify it and change this? And that's how you get those different names of plants constantly changing. And that's how you get okay. people. That's how you could get a, a false positive, which is so there's that there is potential for, you know, a domesticated cultivar to be mistaken for one plant when it actually came from something else. It's very closely related, but it's actually not that. Um, which is, could be incredibly easy to, you know, believe that that would happen, like uh, okay. with any plant, like oregano or marjoram, you know, okay. or whatever. Yeah, my understanding <laughs> is that, that the predominant cultivar is only found in the United States or, or predominantly, uh, no pun intended, found in the United States. Yeah, it was like something that had been brought and really widespread. And Yeah. Uh, you see it at churches. You see it on the side of the road. It's everywhere. Um, uh, and then I think another one that you see a lot that gets mistaken for Trichocereus uh, is Myrtillo cactus, right? Sure. Look at that. People will be like, oh, look at that. It's San Pedro. But it's like, and I've been probably guilty of it and seen it and been like, oh, I think I know what that was. But then later be like, wait, no, that was. Sure. It's like, been like kind of rounder. It almost looks more like a Mario, sure. the angry <laughs> I think Peruvian apple cactus as well, Sirius repandus, could be mistaken as as Trichocereus columnar. Yeah. They're both column. They're all three columnar cacti. So what do we have here? Trichocereus macrogonus variegated pachinoy. So var is not very. In this case, not variegated. Oh, what does it mean? 
variety or oh, variation, right. maybe. It's either variation or variety. Okay. Uh, so it's similar to subspecies. Uh, it's just different depending on the botanist and how they've described it and what they're describing. They'll either make it a subspecies or a variety, but basically if there's a master species or mother species, they'll say, well, it, it's this species, but it's a subversion of it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a subcategory of it. Um, and so this Trachinocerius macrogonus variety or variation, whatever, sub, you know, uh, in, in, infraspecific taxon, which is right here, uh, is... Um, Does it say the genus is Trichoserius? Family Trichoserius yeah. macrogonus. So th this is, uh, in other words, the the so, main species. Yeah, so this would be the main species. Trichoserius macrogonus would be the main species. And then the sub-variety of it is the macrogonus where passionoi. So okay. if you... So if you start with the Macrogonus, mm -hmm. this name this name has been accepted in uh, these bibliography papers. So these publishings in 2019 and 2012 okay. wrote this name as this species, okay. and they were you know peer reviewed and accepted okay. um, at least by that particular you know whatever these you know these these aren't the end all be all. Don't take sure. this as means correct. Okay. Um, and, or can't be changed um, okay. but you'll see here in the synonym so synonym just means that okay this is the same plant but different people have called it by different names uh -huh. and although one time we said these are different you know but actually they were synonyms because they're actually the same so um, so Trichoserius macrogonus is what we're looking at right here right remember so we're starting mm -hmm. and you, you know these all look familiar um and then you know for me this is it all i know is it looks like this <laughs> but you'll see peruvianus is here so this is the main species trichoserius peruvianus mm -hmm. right but or echinophis peruviana or any of these other names uh or trichoserius macrogonus var variety peruvianus mm -hmm. um kind of like i was variety passionoi mm -hmm. but because this name macrogonus was used before peruvianus for the same plant sometime in like you know 1700s or some shit like that if you go to read this paper in 2019 it'll cite some 27 this 2017 paper will cite this guy from you know like 1750 that's like well actually this guy named a trichoserius macrogonus back in 1750 okay and so that that name and then so then they'll be like well okay sure peruvianus is this and like okay that's a synonym but what about this other one this infraspecific taxon accepted infraspecifics macrogonus variety passionoi so that's where you get that passionoi mm -hmm. which people will say oh this is passionoi this is rubianus this is uh uh you know hybrid Br Br bridge ci yeah bridge ci which bridge ci is different actually bridge ci is its own different species it is um, huh so yeah we'll go to that after but so you'll see passionoi is just uh variety of macrogonus and if we remember the synonym to macrogonus for peruvianus so passionoi is just a little brother of peruvianus okay the same there's different varieties and different hybrids essentially is what it is it's it's, it's hybridizations that took place over the genetic history of these plants mm -hmm. and they've formed stable genetic whatever's but everything could be divided into this individual hybrid this this hybrid this hybrid this hybrid this hybrid it's like wine terroir of grapes you know okay uh, People just try to, it's kind of like reductionism to, to, and in, in there's a balance between reductionism and then like, 
naming it. But, a beautiful like, specimen. Can- I love that. Yeah. This is cool. And, and I, what I find really interesting is how similar it looks to uh, Lophophora in this particular view and uh, at this earlier stage of the life cycle. Sure. Because they're cousins. They're like, you know, if you go back far enough, they're related. Oh, I wow. Think. I forget which one's older, evolutionarily speaking. But, um, oops. So Trichoceros breaches the eye. We'll just touch on that real quick, which is one that I would love to get my hands on. I have some. Waiting for that's all. Um, I want to come check out everything you have and just look and see. Yeah, uh, I have some. You can totally study uh-huh. it. So, what's interesting is, yeah, you'll see. So, species Trichoceros brisei is its own species, but mm. synonym of Echinopsis leganiformis. So, you'll see this name out there too. And this is just what this database calls them, you know. So, like anybody can call it whatever they want like i'm not you know <laughs> but what's cool about this database is they'll give you like the distribution so it's native to here or introduced to here bolivian uh, torch yeah it'll give you common names and things like that um uh, let's see but yeah um very cool I, i've relied on this database a lot for more than uh for every plant for all plants so mm. We go. Uh, the synonyms of cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, cannabis ruderalis. So these guys are saying there's only one species, cannabis indica or cannabis sativa, mm. and everything else is there's 18 synonyms. Everything else is just a synonym. Yeah, Polygonum viridiflorum. That's a funny one. Never would have known. That's where you get resveratrol from Polygonum cuspidatum. Okay. <laughs> or from grapes. But yeah, so that's um, that's why they're all different hybrids, and so it's not hard to believe that mesquin would just be in all of them. Yeah. So, well, I just learned time. something. I learned so much from these slides, dude. Thank you so much. I, I didn't realize <laughs> that uh, bridge CI was actually a completely different species. Yes, sir. Echinopsis leganiformis. And <laughs> it sucks for like the guy bridges the eye because they're like, oh no, we're not, we, we're taking that away. It's not named after you anymore. But we'll get, we'll leave it as a synonym for you. I have a beautiful Bolivian torch, which surprisingly differs uh, quite a bit in the way it looks to yeah. your traditional bridge CI, but they're actually the same plant. Um, like I have a blue mini bridge CI. And it looks nothing like my Bolivian torch, but they fall into the same family, which I guess now is Laginformis. Let's see. Okay, yeah, and then there's the yeah. If you look at a Bolivian torch and put it side by side with a with a traditional Trichoceros bridge CI, they look totally different. Let me see. You go into images. The so the. Those are bridge CIs, the classic ones with the long ones. But if you go down, you should be able to find a Bolivian torch. It looks different. Um, it doesn't have the long spines like the bridge CI does. Okay. Is it the uh, the monstrous one that looks like a penis? See. No. It looks like a Pachinoy, actually. <laughs> Do they not have yeah. it? They don't have it. I have one. Okay. Well. Hmm. Where? There you go, Bolivian Torch. Everything you need to know. If you click on that one, 
<laughs> it looks completely different to the dump. Oh, that's a bridge scene. Let's see. Go down. Yeah, there. See how? Notice how it doesn't have the long spines. Yeah, yeah. That's what I have. I have one of those. Okay. But I also have a bridge CI, which has very long spines, and it mm -hmm. has a different formation, completely ri a different rib formation. It's they look completely different. Right. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Right there. The that looks just yeah. like it. Oh, this is interesting. And yeah, and this is the most uh, concentrated, one of the most concentrated alkaloid wise, from my understanding. That's what I've heard too. I didn't actually get to test those. I, sh I wanted to, but I just didn't. I didn't. I would have had to like do more work than my boss was paying me to do. So <laughs> I did enough. <laughs> cool. I didn't want to spot him out of pocket for the bridges he has. Although he did hit up K Trout for the. Uh, the other stuff. I guess that's the least I could have done. So what's this? So, um, one of the best projects, the coolest projects I got to do was uh, we got some uh, Banisteriopsis Gopii and or Gopii, I'm, I'm not sure how the correct pronouncement, and some Psychotria viridis uh, from grown in Hawaii. But we also had some that I believe was from the Amazon as well. We had numerous samples of that again. And um, I got to take the fresh plants and dry them up and then look at them under the microscope, which I didn't put slides of them under the microscope, which would have been really cool. We can do this again later. But um, they look really majestic under the microscope. The Banisteriopsis fine cells and the Psychotria viridis leaf cells also. So, what, you, what I did in layman's terms, tell us what that is. Okay. Seriopsis <laughs> coffee is the, the ayahuasca. So we're talking about ayahuasca. Okay. Uh, ayahuasca is the term, the word for the vine, which mm -hmm. is the Seriopsis vine. Psychotria is the leaf, which is in the brew. The leaf itself is called chakruna. So you take the ayahuasca vine, the chakruna leaf, brew them up together, and you get what people know as ayahuasca. And the leaf is the MAO inhibitor? Uh, reverse. So the the vine has the MAOI inhibitors, okay. the armala alkaloids, and the leaf has the DMT. Okay. This plate also has. Uh, so yeah, we see the DMT labeled there. The brightest DMT is actually in a mimosa hostilis bark sample. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so you then you'll see it in the leaf. So there's two on the eight and uh, seven and eight, where the DMT is highlighted. It's really bright and or faint in the in lane six and lane one, but lane one and six are the reference standards. Okay. So there's multiple images because we'll start like going. Yeah, we'll go. Oh, this is the beginning. Oh, we got all the way here. So okay, so this gives you a little more information. Um, when you're looking at this image, you can see all the. The bright blue bands are the MAOI inhibitors, the harmala alkaloids. Okay. Harmal, harmal, tetrahydroharmine is kind of a ghost in this image. Okay. But the THH is highlighted in this image mm. where it says THH. So okay. um, there's one, two, three, four, five, six uh, harmala alkaloids, which are potentially all now inhibitors or otherwise active. Uh, and those are all in the vine. And so these are. 
two, three, four are vine that are dried vine. And five is an actual hot water extraction of the vine. Okay. Uh, which essentially, I mean, two, three, four are the vine and methanol. The five is just the vine and water, okay. then evaporated and then put in methanol. So, I mean, it really is the same thing. Five, you just might have some more water soluble compounds or might be a little more concentrated because it's been boiled down from in the water. So that's, that's the difference there. So we just tested tested those um and then the dmt in the leaf uh seven and eight has it nine ten eleven twelve thirteen don't have it those are other species of psychotria so they're they're potentially similar looking leaves that you know you could mistake for the thing but it's not the right thing mm. so creating that if it's if it's not correct you wouldn't you know these are the dmt containing species which is what matters and this was actually used for this was the beginning data, preliminary data that was used to launch studies onto these products that they're making for clinical trials for uh, ayahuasca for usage and therapy. So it yeah. was cool to be a part of getting that going. And they're still working on it. That's beautiful. You were a part of that? Well, I helped. So the company, yeah, the, with the, the client who sent these samples that we did this work for, uh, they're you know, mission, their business goals or whatever are to uh, go through clinical trials with uh, ayahuasca brews. So traditionally made teas of ayahuasca containing the DMT and the mal inhibitors, the full traditional treatment yeah. for a, yeah, for, for assisted therapy. And how much so, do you know about what that's going to be studied for uh, mental health wise? What, what are the diagnoses that they are studying ayahuasca for? Um, so I didn't, and specifically in this one, I don't know as much about, but I do know that alcoholism is probably the first substance one that I use disorder. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, or addictive personality or any sort of, uh, yeah, like, uh, it could span as far as anxiety, social anxiety disorder, uh, OCD, PTSD, probably anything that yeah. you would, uh, Anything that so what to highlight similarities between psilocybin mushrooms and ayahuasca is that to all these compounds that we've just shown these seven compounds that come from ayahuasca right you know I took this medicinal practice you know guy in, in the Amazon jungle it took him you know and his buddies a few generations or whatever to figure out how to make this tea and how to practice this therapy right and how to make it useful for his um his uh, tribesmen and stuff like that. I'm just going to stop sharing so that I can put this here. I'm so I'm looking at you. Um, took them a while to figure it out. Um, but they figured it out. They got the DMT and they got the mountain inhibitors and they made this amazing therapeutic uh, drink, this tea that they can get. And the mushroom. Okay. And so and so in the therapeutic, you have the DMT, which is the tryptamine and the hormonal alkaloids. Mm -hmm. And the mushrooms and psilocybin mushrooms, um, they have the psilocybin, which is the tryptamine, and they have the as you probably know they also have hormonal alkaloids which are the mal inhibitors so it's the same chemical combination growing out of poop that they're brewing up in this tea yeah and they just it's some you know it's convergent uh so it's just it's interesting to highlight it, a lot maybe a lot of people know that or some that don't that now under the microscope they look similar as well right the compounds psilocybin and, and ayahuasca exactly yeah so under okay. like a in a, in a in a you know a spectral scan or whatever you'll look at the chemical structures and there'll just be a couple modifications but they both they're both 
uh, indole alkaloid or tryptamine. No, I'm thinking they're both tryptamines, but they're both very specifically uh, related tryptamines, and they're in the same. You know, they're so yeah. So um, so that's why people will say that a very high dose of mushrooms is similar to an ayahuasca trip or something okay. like that. Um, one one funny story that uh, someone who's an expert who taught me all the ways of all this chemistry that I just showed uh, and he was like my the the the, you know, the, the boss right? like he's the president the science guy over there uh, he's like the if you <laughs> I don't know if we're uh, if this is gonna be uh, PG thirteen or not but uh, I I don't give a fuck <laughs> he was like he's like uh, ayahuasca is like you know the experience and he believe me he's he's taken canoes down the amazon river and hiked through the jungle and done ayahuasca eight times in a week in the in the and which is more than they let any other outsider do. Or <laughs> like, he's like, he'd be like ayahuasca is uh taking the experience is like making love to uh someone that you've known for years and like this lover of and, you know he had a very personal relationship with it, it might not be like everybody he's like but smoking dmt is like, just like jacking off <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'll never forget that because it's you know it's like ecstasy. Well, you know what I mean. Well, it's ecstatic. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It's like uh, you get it's it's over really fast. It's kind of like not emotional. It's, I you don't see. Get, don't, yeah, it's like about getting into it and immersing yourself into it, and uh, uh, and, and really being in the experience of like taking LSD. You got you got twelve hours, so you better get used to it. Like, right. I understood. Understood. And it's concentrated form. So like if you're really going to put that commitment and time into it and like something about smoking it makes it pass through your system faster too right, right? so right, right, right. No, no judgment either way but just the, the the difference <laughs> that's of how course. you describe it. yeah <laughs> if, i don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to well, see. i think the most implicated I, I would love to just close out with discussion and we've got quite a bit of content here and i, I would like to do this again i'd like to do sure. this again for sure yeah um I think the most implicated thing in in, in that, those two compounds is actually probably depression and end of life uh, therapy because, well, based on what you just told me and my understanding of psilocybin and, and ayahuasca or DMT, um, right now they're studying psilocybin for depression and end of life therapy, correct? And, and so it's helped people come to grips uh, terminal cancer or or otherwise some other terminal disease. Uh, psilocybin has helped people come to grips with the fact that they're they're facing death and and, and have and feel like they're going to die in peace which is astounding right so i assume if they're studying ayahuasca and dmt and their similar similarities then it's probably uh, going to have similar results and depression to major depressive disorder bipolar disorder mm-hmm. are the mm-hmm. most implicated i think in those two substances and treatment resistance um yeah always if, if that can be impacted and, um, and whether it's microdosing or macro dosing, like if it works, <clears throat> you know, maybe the mal inhibitors at the low dose of microdosing make an impact on a daily basis versus someone who, you know, that might help for like mild anxiety that and could help anybody on a daily basis and stress uh, like an ad- adaptogen uh, or mm-hmm. uh, someone with intense PTSD, the, the more macro dose might be more appropriate. So dose, coming back to dose counting for everything for every every substance and every therapy a dose is critical and like terence mckenna said if you're gonna you know take it uh don't diddle the dose like uh, do your- <laughs> <laughs> so you can see the machine elves yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I, right. I, I'd love to to have the listeners hear my firsthand experience because somebody asked me about it in a previous episode, and and I was so nervous, and I'm so comfortable with you, so I'm so glad that you're here, man. Um, my personal experience with with mushrooms, psilocybin for mental health disorders, because I I have major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, and I have severe PTSD, which is why I qualify for the MDMA assisted therapy. It's uh, that's the biggest criteria is you have to fit uh what they what they consider severe PTSD and um I'm very blessed to be doing that and I'm incredibly grateful. I had my first medicine session on, on June seventeenth actually and okay. uh, but with the mushrooms. Uh what I experienced with the mushrooms is uh a a decrease in in depression and, and anxiety on a microdose level. Uh better mood, mood enhancement. However uh, sometimes it can be counterproductive um, on the PTSD because it heightens your alertness um, and the symptoms of like hypervigilance can be intensified and paranoia um, can be intensified. So sometimes it can be counterproductive. I, I don't recommend it if you're experiencing high levels of PTSD symptoms. If you're experiencing um, anxiety or depression, definitely try the microdose and, um, you know, do it carefully. Make sure you, you do it right. But um yeah, I think that the larger doses, what I found was I'm able to cry when normally I'm not able to. Um, I, I, I I walk around generally feeling very numb. And so when I, I'm not able to cry even when I want to. But when I've taken larger doses of mushrooms, I've found myself being able to release and, and cry, like sob. Um, and it releases a lot of tension. However, it hasn't done a lot for my PTSD. Now, I, I, I'm not... Uh, this is anecdotal evidence. There's a lot of people out there that use it and say that it helps them. Um, but for me, it, it's really only assisted in the anxiety and in, in depression. So, you know, I think it's something that should be treated with respect and, and you should be careful. But the promising science is the MDMA for the PTSD, for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And and I've seen MDMA in combination with LSD as being researched. Um, right. Hippie fl- Government funded hippie flipping. <laughs> is that candy so, flipping candy flipping government funded candy flipping so yeah and 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 then so when you get into those more i mean serious and very complex and never fully understood uh aspects of human nature uh really and <clears throat> and life experience to to uh to to really to really and to really try to make progress or to work towards solutions and to work towards benefiting and share is uh to to share with everybody and to to get that experience and and maybe like you said it doesn't work for this or that from your experience and uh and you pass that along or or you say oh wait i tried it tried this actual thing like thing that i did differently and then it actually did work and then right. you know uh, and I don't know, hypothetical, but 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 so th- so without that, we don't get that in an interpersonal and uh, interconnectedness with the where these natural medicines come from and um, how how we build on those relationships and uh, how those build our relationships with each other. And not saying that I'm the greatest at uh, any of this stuff, but uh, to I think to talk about it and to 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 share the experience is the only way for anybody to actually know absolutely what might work for them if somebody's curious and wants to wants to so right and you're not open and then you can't be open and that's where coming back to the whole decriminalization yeah uh, 
I think it's 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 nice to be able to just be open and to talk and not yes. fear judgment. Yes. No judgment so. here. Yeah, it's easy for to, for one to read the science and and you know feel like they're interested in it, but it's another when you hear it firsthand from somebody. You know what I mean? And um, I, unfortunately, all I can say about the MDMA study, especially over the air and maybe in a private setting, they, I would sign a gag order that I won't share what my experience has been. I can say I'm in the study, but I can't talk about anything that that actually happens in the study or how they do it or what the results of it will be until after the study is over. But the results just came out from the first group of 90 patients, I believe a couple days ago, and time just featured it. And uh, now the FDA has approved a whole nother study, and it's not double blind, and um, they're training therapists to use it. And uh, I don't know the specifics of it, but we're really rounding a corner here with the, the bill that's in the Senate now, right? And uh, I've been told that the, that Lofofora and, and mescaline-containing plants are not included on this, this new bill. I'm not entirely certain. I know that there's a big push in the um, Lofofora, Lofofora conservation that um, says it's not sustainable and it should be only treated as a museum piece and, like, mm. really protected. And there's no need to harvest Lofofora for in any like it'd be you know it's one thing to um be part of the conservation efforts and and do that and propagate seeds and and you know and do that um but but i don't i, don't, I think that yeah there's there's got to be a balance between accepting where technology can be to our benefit and right. and then but also re and well where, where it benefits respecting tradition as well so yeah. like benefits us modern and our needs but also keeping the traditional respects in balance as well. But yeah, um, I'm not sure about the legality protection. Or well, oh no, yeah, and the, and the decriminalization, I, be, I, I mean, San Pedro, I don't think is, like we were talking about earlier, like, yeah, so the decriminalization of mezcaline would be the what we're talking about. So yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to cut out a lot of me talking about. No, it's that. okay. In other words, though, um, the ethical way for us to do this as non-natives that don't have this in our in our family traditions and in our culture would be to use trichocereus for sure, you know, as opposed to harvesting, especially in the wild. Unless you're growing from seed, like you were just saying, then sure. You know, if you're growing your own loaf of flour from seed and you want to harvest it and use it for that purpose, by all means, go for it. But uh, we should leave the harvesting in the in habitat to the the cultures that actually have been doing it for thousands of years. And uh, also an alternative is trichocereus. You, you know, use the trichocereus if you're, if you're trying to go down that rabbit hole. Um, I personally haven't had an experience with mescaline. Um, I, I'm a little fearful of it, but I've heard it's nothing but happiness. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, it hasn't come across. If, if I, I probably would have gotten Given the opportunity. Probably would have. <laughs> Uh, but I haven't, you know, hasn't. Um, I've heard, I guess it's like uh, reminiscent in a, in a way of LSD, mm. uh, but more in the like the faculties that you maintain are more along the way of mushrooms. Maybe like you don't quite like you might you might be able to like stop the visuals, whereas with LSD can't always stop the right visual. yeah a little more controllable my previous guest told me 
he described it as a warm hug and he described the come on as similar to MDMA. Um, but yeah, you hear different things from different people. And I think it's also intention is different too. If you're going at it from a spiritual perspective, as opposed to like uh, recreational, you might experience something a little different. Absolutely. Yeah. Set and setting, of course. And that's always, sure. always something to um, keep at the forefront. And, uh, and whether it's, you know, some people just do it subconsciously and that's how they roll and they're great. And, some people, some people have a lot of it is more active and conscious about it and it works for them. But um, I guess, oh, like, so I was going to say, um, Mesquin led to like the discovery of, or the synthesis of 2CB and the whole 2C series, I believe, is mm-hmm. offshoots enhanced, um, like, you know, like the, the heroin of Mesquin or something you might say. Yeah. Um, which I've heard is pretty intense stuff. Yeah. Um, I but Shulgin, Shulgin's a big guy. Yeah. I had a terrible experience with 2CB. 2CI or 2CB? I don't know. They're pretty much the same thing. There's a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, I had, a, I had an ecstasy pill way back in the day, probably 12 years ago, um, with that, that I knowingly bought with 2CB in it, and I had a terrible experience. There was a, there was a Pee Wee Herman portrait on the wall, and <laughs> uh, time froze. Everything else except for the painting froze, and he kind of came out of the painting – and, and it, for some reason, the rain kept starting and then stopping. I don't know what was real and what wasn't, but I ended up uh, running out of the rave and hiding in my car for uh, quite some time. It was a short high, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, the last—it's it's funny how crazy stuff seems to happen. Like, was that real? Did that actually happen? Yeah. And when there's not sober to confirm, you never know. Right. One time a giant eucalyptus tree fell in Ute and Gum Grove and I was walking through Gum Grove and like, it was like 2019 and I took like a tab, two tabs. The second one I was like, oh, I was done. And then, the, well, it was okay. Um, but then I went to Gum Grove and like was walking with like my sister and uh, Kyle and uh, their dog and we get through and I'm like walking through the mud and I'm like, Oh God, it's hitting me. Like I, I left the house like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to be fine. Like I got this. And, like, <laughs> and I'm in the gum grove park and we can finally make it to our way out. And like, I'm just like, all right, well, uh, we're here. And the light sun's really bright. Eucalyptus tree, like a hundred feet behind is just giant tree falls right in the path. Shut where the we're fuck walking. up. Right. Like never normally happened. Like it's the only time it's ever happened. Like, <laughs> they say crazy shit happens when, of course, when you're tripping, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so careful, be careful out there. Maybe, so, maybe it was a lesson from the divine to realize how fragile life is and that a tree could fall on you at any moment and end your life. The next time I took, uh, yeah, okay, so yes, valid, valid. I'm just going to highlight the next time. It was, it was like a few months later, I took just one tap and I signed up for a free trial of Spectrum Cable and got a $100 gift card out of it. I love you, like, dude. And I'm like, oh, wait, I can get a $100 gift card. Yes, sign me up. Sign me up. Give me a $100 gift card. And I like, somehow managed to pull this off. And I'm like, I don't know. Sounds like a polar opposite experience. No, it was like two years ago. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we never ended up paying for the Spectrum. And we had two cables. So, but um... 
and then I was like taking a, a, I was like, I imagined I was like an Egyptian in like the palace and like in the, and I was in my bathtub, you know, with like the candles and the and like everything was like the hieroglyphs on the tiles on the walls and like it was like the light was like golden. That was like later after I signed up. And I was like, probably I don't know if it was because the lady was Indian or whatever, but I could be racist about that. <laughs> no, I've always there's the Egyptian. It was Egyptian, but it, I'm just saying. Patrick, you did a wonderful job. Thank you so much, dude. I'm so grateful for you, brother. Thank you for doing this, man. I, I really do believe that the Psychonauts are going to be very pleased. This is by far the longest episode I've ever done, and I enjoyed myself thoroughly, and I learned a lot. Thank you for being our teacher today, man. Thank you for having me. Hope I didn't ramble too badly. No, you did great, dude. All right. If everybody yeah. could please... Oh, well, one, if you'd like to check out Microscope Mystic, I'll, I'll post a link. I'll put his username there. Um, thank you, everybody. Not, What's that? I'll try to, oh, I'm not public, but I'll try to try to see if anybody follows me after this. I'll try to accept really fast because I'm private. So Yeah, you can filter it. Be careful. You know, maybe don't just yeah. accept anyone. This does go worldwide, surprisingly. Um, it's been charting in fucking random-ass countries, dude. It's weird. Um, thank you. Thank you, Garrett. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Person. Person. Absolutely, bro. Thank yeah. you. If everybody could please like, review, and subscribe to the podcast, I would very much appreciate that. Hit that share button. Make sure to check out my Instagram at If Plants Could Talk Podcast. Thank you, everybody.